0: and welcome back to Red Country. I am your host and the only host today, Nick Rucker. This is becoming a thing. Justin, wherever you're at in the world with the sniffles, I'm going to need you to (laughs) suck it up for next week. Uh, This this week and uh, before we get into our uh, um, and introduce our special, special guest, a longtime friend of mine, I will say that this weekend, uh, this Saturday at Skybox, I will be playing from 8 o'clock until 11 or midnight, whichever, depending on the evening, how it goes. So if you find yourself in Omaha, be sure to stop by and uh, put in a request. I might know it, and if I don't, I'm sorry. But <laughs> with, with, without further ado, my, we've been friends for a long time. Let's just say that. Mr. Stuart Ray. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you, Mister Nick Record? I'm doing all right, man. Just uh, kind of enjoying the bipolar
1: weather we've been having. <clears throat> that makes one of us. I I'm preferring this uh, 80 degree weather I'm hearing about for Tuesday. So, yes, definitely I'm ready for, for sure. it to warm up. Yeah, dude, I'm right there with
0: you. I think it's supposed to be 76 on Tuesday, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Oh yeah. So, buddy, there's probably a lot of people that follow this right now that are saying who is Stuart Ray? <laughs> and and I will tell a short story and then I'll let Stuart take it from there. So, many 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 moons ago, I think it was probably 2014 somewhere in there. Anyway. Yep. I 2013, 2014, I stumbled into a bar called R.C. McGraw's in Manhattan, Kansas. And the only reason I knew about R.C. McGraw's was because I had gone to a Cherry concert there that I won free tickets on K-Rock. <laughs> and I was walking out and I was like, oh, open mic. Okay, I'll check that out. And so I went to a the national songwriters association group at the, uh, NSAI. Uh, yep. in in Manhattan with a song, love you little longer played it. And they were like, Oh, you should just go do some open mics. And then I recalled back to, Oh man, there was that one open mic. And <laughs> I remember the second that I met you, I was walking next to the stage over on the left and you were unpacking something, and I go, hey, how's it going? And you were like, hey, just your cheery old self. And you're, then we introduced each other, and I played maybe two or three songs that night. And then ever since, man, we've just been
1: best buddies. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been best friends on Snapchat ever since. Yep, got the streak. <laughs> we got the streak. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember those days. That was right after I moved back from Nashville. Yep.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, he, uh shot of whiskey was either getting ready to come out or had come out. And uh, Kid Matheson and you had written that together. And mm-hmm. we're, that was becoming a big deal. You were playing at country stampede that summer on the, uh, the second stage. And I just was like, how can I become Stuart Ray? Like, <laughs>
1: how can I look at you now? And I'm over here wondering, how do I become Nick Rucker?
0: <laughs> well, it's, uh, I guess, just moved to Omaha. I got empty space in the basement. I'll, <laughs> I'll run you through. <laughs> hey, don't get me with a good time. So, buddy, I so I brought you on because we definitely have some music followers and I want to branch out and you've experienced a lot more than I have when it comes to music as far as you've played with some awesome musicians you've written with some awesome songwriters you've gotten to experience a lot more of hey I'm going to commit to this 110 percent and that's all I'm going to do and I haven't taken that plunge probably ever in my life so give us a little backstory how did this all start for you
1: uh all right well it all started when I was uh Into seventh grade, getting ready to start my eighth grade year and football was becoming a thing. Um, From from a little age, I've been big. I mean, in uh, eighth grade, I was six foot, 250 pounds. I mean, the person you wanted to play football (laughs) and I was ready to play football because I was guaranteed that I would be able to play football probably for the rest of my life until a little thing in my middle school started called guitar club and that was right around the time that my uh my grandma had her second knee surgery and she was living with us at the time and uh she was kind of a night owl which i found out is because of her that i'm a night owl and (laughs) i uh i told her i said listen if you buy me this esteban american legacy (laughs) guitar I promise I'll never stop playing guitar. I will, this will be the thing that I get buried with. And she said, okay. And so uh, she bought me that guitar. I started uh, playing. I had some guitar teachers here and there and, and whatnot, but nothing ever uh, really, really went anywhere with guitar teachers. I kind of more or less taught myself, but uh, I just stuck with it. And then around age 14, My best friend, Charlie Kiefer, was a dishwasher, his first job at a little Jamaican restaurant in Manhattan, Kansas, called The Little Grill. And he's like, listen, you're awesome. I can get you a gig. And I said, "Okay." And so I started playing every Sunday night at The Little Grill. Uh, I was a Randy Rogers cover band to begin with. And then uh, from there, I did Sundays and Tuesdays. And then uh, from there... A college band called Jared Daniels Band found me. And while I was still in high school, I said, listen, I look older than the rest of you. Let me come out on the road with you. I'll sell your merch. I'll run your sound. Just let me sing some songs before each show. And they let me. And 15 years later, here I am standing in the backyard of Brian Nelson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so everybody knows Brian Nelson, also a buddy of ours, who's a singer songwriter in Manhattan, Kansas, as well, or go or wherever he's at uh, currently. And, uh, it, dude, so um, honestly, you, you've been—you've obviously gone to Nashville. You moved down to Texas for a little bit. You've been. We've hit the road together a few times and which one, and honestly, I think what people are going to want to hear, do you have any good stories about living in Nashville?
1: Yeah. Well, my, uh, the only, the fun, the most fun story I have was, uh, I was sitting in this bar called the dog house. It's on a street called the Mumbrian it's off of Broadway. It's right off music row. Um, it's kind of where like everybody after Music Road goes and hangs out. And then the locals kind of go there at night. Um, a friend of mine, Anthony Billips was playing down there one night. And so I took my roommate, Devin Randall, with me. And we went down and um, honestly, Anthony knew me through the grapevine. He knew me through a buddy of ours called David Oakleaf, another Kansas guy who lived in Nashville at the time. And um, he just knew me as the bearded kid that David knew and anthony had to go pee and so anthony's like beard get up here and so i got up there and he's like i need you to sing two songs and so i sang a cover uh perfect girl by jb and the moonshine band and then i sang uh a song of mine called out here and then when i got done with that, i walked off stage and i had a guy come up to me and goes who the hell knows jb and the moonshine band from tyler texas And I go, well, I do, sir. I go, I'm from Manhattan, Kansas. And I go, Red Dirt Music in Texas country is what I know and love. And that's why I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And he goes, and that second song you sang was all original, wasn't it? I go, yes, sir. He goes, everybody's real and true in that song. I go, absolutely. He said, don't you ever let anybody tell you to change. He goes, they're going to tell you to write something different, write a different story. He goes, but you do you. And I honestly took that to heart. Like every time I walked into a songwriting room with songwriters, I go, listen, you're here to write for Justin Moore. I'm here to write for Stuart Ray and hope that Justin Moore hears that song and says, Justin Moore needs that. Yeah. And uh, and then the next thing that happened that night was I'm sitting <laughs> at the bar and I'm drinking a, a Yingling beer, the oldest beer in America. And this guy taps me on the shoulder and he goes, Are you from Pennsylvania? I go, no, sir. I'm from Manhattan, Kansas. He goes, damn, Kansas girls, they're just, they're different. And just the way you said it, I was like, now you're, you're with a band. So I was like, so who you with? And uh, he's like, he goes, I, I I tell you, but you ain't never going to believe me. I said, we'll just, let's give it a shot. And he said, I work for a man called Hank Williams. And I said, no, you don't he and he pulled out a 24 karat gold necklace junior symbol and it said jason thank you for all your years of working for me and i was like all right you're the real deal and he (laughs) goes what are you doing here i told him my little backstory and he goes i want to write with you and uh and then about six months later we finally got to sit down and write and uh we wrote a little tune called "Just Hold On." That's probably one of my favorite songs and one of the best songs on my last record. And uh, that all happened from one night going to the bar just to watch a guy play, buddy play music, and you get asked to play a couple songs, and then next thing you know, you get mistaken for somewhere you're not. <laughs> so the
0: <clears throat> also nashville in in general it's i i feel like just hearing some of the stories and probably like my few times i've been there it's it's pretty fairly easy to run into those people like you know everybody's there for the same reason obviously uh, or most people are not everybody but so over over your time and really just the time that we've been together and stuff you played some with some pretty sweet bands like there's that one night and I know you'll remember this because it was, it's burned into my memory forever, but we were about to open for a band called Blackhawk. And, and uh, for those, those of you that are listening, maybe you don't know who Blackhawk is, but they had, they're a huge country 90s country band.
1: One of the best um,
0: of the 90s. Had the hit song, Goodbye Says It All. Um, That That was, was, yeah, a whole bunch. And these guys are like eight foot tall. I didn't realize that that's how tall they were.
2: (laughs) Yeah, John Henry
1: is a big old John Henry. And John Henry Jr., just as big. (laughs) And and we're standing. So, uh, R.C. McGraw's,
0: as we both know, picture a back room that's like a, it's got a table and it's got a door and it's got about maybe four feet by eight feet of space. And we're both standing there because that's our dressing room for the night and waiting with our guitars to go out and start. And either that or we came back out. I can't remember. But then all of a sudden this uh, in full co- like, oh, let's not say costume, full dress, Native American rain dance outfit <laughs> comes, this, comes this Native American guy. And we're like, what is about to happen? That's what I was like, what, what is happening? (laughs) And so he's just kind of like, he gave us that look like, Hey man, I've been doing this for years. So don't ask me why I do this. But anyway, I think I go, Hey, what, what what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, you know, Blackhawk hires me. They pay me. It was like six grand or something crazy like that to come down here and open every show that they play. And they fly me in and I, do this for fifteen minutes and then fly home, and I'm like, "God, God damn!" <laughs> I, like, I want you to run wrong on.
1: Right, we should have been <laughs> rain dancing. <laughs> uh, do you remember that? Yeah, okay. the, I uh, think that's the last time they did that. I don't think it was as beneficial monetarily as they thought it was going to be. No, it was
0: cool. I mean, but he <laughs> it did was dance. Really cool, but. But for people in Kansas, I think they were like, what the fuck's going on?
1: Yeah. Hell. <laughs> I so mean, you re- the next two weeks, that was good, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you recently uh, played a pretty awesome show um, with uh, the Gary Allen. Our so, man. Yeah, our man. Every time Stuart and I play a show together, we, we cover, um, uh, what is it? Oh, shit. Right where uh, I need to be. Right where I
1: need to be, that one. How was yeah, that, man? I was told I wasn't uh, allowed I, to play. I tried it at soundcheck, but they were like, hey, you know that somebody else was playing that tonight." I was like, oh, wrong show. <laughs> wrong show. <laughs> so, uh,
0: I never did get any feedback from you. How was that whole experience? Like,
1: you are playing big, big show. That, uh, after... 14 years that uh, two day is my biggest show that was a little over 3,500 about 4,000 people inside of arena yeah. um with me standing on stage with just a guitar and my songs and uh it was a surreal moment it it nailed the last few nails in the coffin of whether or not I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing doing what I was put here to do and whatnot uh yeah, it was, it was a very surreal, beautiful moment that I'm really glad I got to share in the spot I did. Because in Dodge City, it was kind of more or less the place that I, I'd played a lot as a young kid with Jared Daniels Band, with a lot of them being from the area, to now I'm no longer the kid. I'm the yeah. man on stage with the guitar and... And the compliments I got that night were unbelievable. It, it was just a very beautiful and awesome moment that I'll never forget. Did you get a chance to meet Gary at all? I didn't. That's the one thing that, that, that did, did it kind it? of suck. But uh, when I was living in Texas, I I got to become really good friends with uh, a guy that I, I do consider a really good friend, Mr. Jay Warren. He was a drummer for... Um, well, probably a rock band that you grew up on back in the day. I don't I can't remember what their trio was, but they were they were in your genre, but he also played for uh, the likes of Bart Crow, Gary P. Nunn. Um, he did some records for Kid Rock. So a very well seasoned drummer. And there was one night I remember sitting down and I said something on the likes of, I just wish I could have talked to him. And uh, it wasn't about Gary. It was about another artist that I'd really admired, but he goes, why do they owe you something? He goes, Mm -hmm. he goes, you're not there yet. He goes, and he goes, and even if you're there, he goes, what do they owe you? He goes, they got stuff going on. You got stuff going on, you know? And so that was kind of the moment where I was like, if I get the chance to meet the people, I'm going to soak it up. I'm going to love it. And then if I don't, I'm going to take the opportunity to meet all the people I can around them. So I did get to hang out with his manager a little bit and kind of shoot the shit. Um, And, uh, and a couple of his crew guys came up to me afterwards and were like, I don't know if any of us could have done what you did tonight, just you and a guitar, you know? So that was really cool. And knowing that most likely that got back to Gary was, was good enough for me, you know?
2: Um, Yeah.
1: I've had a lot of good interactions with some of the people I've got to play with that I love. And then there's some that I've wished that I would have just left in my head. And then there's ones like uh, Confederate railroad, Danny flowers where he, where he told people that were wanting to take a picture with him, wanting to do stuff where he's like, no, me and this guy are going to go outside and we got to talk. And he just pulled me outside and he goes, so what's the plan? What are you doing? Where are we going with this? And I was like, oh, I'm living in Texas, and I do this and this. And he goes, if you ever need me, call me. He goes, because you're doing it, and you're doing everything the right way. And he goes, and don't ever stop. So so I've kind of learned that when they got the time and they know what they're doing, they'll come find you. And if they don't got the time, then I don't want to bother, you know. Yeah. I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the guy that be like, ah, remember that guy in Dodge City that was kind of a dork and bothered us?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <clears throat> Versus being the guy that's like, you know, the one the guitar player talks about being like, remember that outlaw that was really bearded and hairy that just yeah. got up there and he started off the night with a Keith Whitley tune and had the entire arena going, Brother jukebox. <laughs> you know, and that's how I started off the <laughs> yeah. night because I was like this is a song that I know everybody's going to know love and appreciate in this town. And they oh, did. Yeah. And it worked. So. Hey, uh,
0: so, and, and to speak of that too, because I think whenever, you know, coming up, I think that's your kind of like your aspiration is like, I want to meet my, you know, my uh, idols and, and I want to play oh, shows yeah. with them. But then as you kind of mature in music and you play more and more shows, you're kind of like, you know, I kind of want to keep them there, and I don't right. really, I don't really want to, because what if I don't like them, you know? And then I don't have that anymore, and I'd <laughs> right. rather, I'd rather just keep it kind of like in my head, how I'm picturing it, and that's that's even like, I think you know, playing some bigger shows here in Omaha too was, I opened for um, Ben Haggard, and and you know, Ben was. That was, that oh, was yeah. fairly, I was walking out in front of the place about to walk in with my guitar. And he's like, you playing first. And I was like, yeah, man, Holy shit. Here you are. Like <laughs> I thought, uh, I thought I was going to run into you out back, but, uh, but playing down there and he, he was a cool guy, man. That was just like, dude, your dad, you know, like <laughs> right. that's, you're standing next to Merle Haggard's son. And, uh, and he's doing the same thing, you know, Merle was. And it, it's just like, so you don't know what to say because you're just kind of like, you're not going to be like, hey, what was it like being around your dad? Because you don't want to make it about somebody else, you know. But, right. uh, But uh, yeah, that's the same thing with playing some of these shows. It's just not I probably what I would have thought 10 years ago, what it would be like. It's totally not that whatsoever. I mean, it's more of like, hey, there's a business being ran right now and people are at work. You don't yeah. bother people when they're working.
1: The uh, the 15-year-old that was sneaking into the Aggieville bars trying to watch Texas bands that would go up to him as soon as their set was over going, I'm 15 years old. I'm not supposed to be in this bar, but I am in this bar. What advice do you have for me? I mean, that was literally, I walked up to Blue Emerson, Wade Bowen. I mean, I walked up to Wade Bowen when I was 14 years old, and I had the drummer of Jared Daniels go, this kid's 14 years old tonight and is loud in this bar just because he's a musician. And Wade Bowen goes, I can't wait to meet you someday. You know, just in the sense of like, no disrespect, but he goes, You're on a path that not many people are on. So either I'm going to see you again or I'm not going to see you again. And, yeah. you know, he even signed my, I got a poster that I hang near my desk. It's like, Stu, I can't, I can't wait till the day that I'm listening, you know? So, yeah. uh, and then, but like you said, to now that I'm 30 years old and i might. Like, I don't know if I'd walk up to Wade Bowen and go, "Hey, I was 14 once, and you told me to get a fake ID and not quit, and here I am." <laughs> Wish I had a fake ID and would have quit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the,
0: so the 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 move to Texas, man. Like, how does how was that for you as far as like opening things up and? Because we were just talking before we started on here about just the different scenes we need to tap into, and there was one point where I was I was personally struggling to put an hour of songs together, uh, and like struggling to find anywhere that I didn't have to pay to go in and play, and so to to kind of now to where it's like we've. I don't I don't want to say you wear out where you're at, but you kind of get to a point where you're like, God damn, I'm tired of playing these songs here. Um, right. So was that for you whenever you went to Texas and started,
1: you know. Well. Re- Texas is different, Um When before I moved to Texas, I was traveling with our buddy Brian to Texas a little bit and playing mostly in the panhandle. I hadn't done any Austin stuff, um, any Houston stuff, any Dallas stuff until I went with Brian. But Brian took me down there and he showed me that. Well, one, when I said in Kansas, it's weird when you're in Kansas or Nebraska and you go, I'm from Nashville. Or I'm from Austin, they go. I'm coming to see you tonight, yeah. Because you, you wait. You came from Nashville. You're from Nashville, Tennessee. You're singing. You gotta be good, or you know Austin. Yeah. And the same thing worked in Texas, where I'd be playing in BFE, you know, Spearman, Texas, and I'd be like, I'm from Manhattan, Kansas, and they'd go, Why you? Why did you drive seven hours to come here? I go, Well, you guys appreciate me. I go, You guys sat here tonight and listened. And you cheered just as much for the originals as you did the covers, and then asked for co- or asked for originals over the covers. You know, where the Manhattan, Kansas bar scene that we kind of did is a college scene. And so you get to play what you want to play, but at the same time, you still got to cater to we all, we got to play the ones that they're going to dance to, the ones they're going to party to. Yeah. Versus in Texas, they're like, if you're going to tell a story just tell me the story and make sure it's real and so that's what I really really loved appreciated about Texas and every part of Texas I went to whether it was playing in Lubbock playing in Houston playing down and Galveston everybody just really gave a damn about what you were doing the soul you were putting into it and the amount of effort you were putting into it and uh And then the big thing was is I I lived a year almost a year and a half in Nashville and then moved back to Kansas for about two years and then moved down to Texas. That the comparison from Nashville to Texas was what I always tell people was: in Nashville, we're trying to organize a writing date in an office somewhere on Music Row. Where in Texas, I'm trying to organize a barbecue with beer, some guitars, and a bonfire. And maybe we'll get a song, but most likely we're going to just be surrounded by a lot of good people, a lot of good stories, and we're going to have fun. And then maybe a couple days later, we write a song about what we did. But it's more of a family environment, a family atmosphere, more welcoming and warming. And what I loved about Texas a lot was, too, was like, they'd be like, well, I've opened up for here, here, here. And they'd be like, so? What's your song? You know? And that was the thing to me is because – even though I'm a singer songwriter, I'm I love being a songwriter and I love being a songwriter at heart. And uh, that's what Texas was all about, was just the songwriter.
0: So that let's let's go. Let's talk about that for a second. And we we've never sit, sat down and written a song together, but we all have our different processes, how we do it. And I, I've recently started treating it like a muscle, you know, the more you work it out, the better it's going to get, the stronger it's going to get. And so that's the same thing. Um, I guess my question to you is what's your songwriting process and where would you say you, you get your inspiration from, because to me, I guess uh, it comes from everywhere. I could hear a sound and i'm like oh shit that reminds me of this and then all of a sudden it becomes a song so mm-hmm. what about you
1: it's it, i would say it's probably along the same lines of that process um it could be anything from you say something quick and witty and smart and i'm like all, all right i'll turn that around to just a feeling i'm having that day uh I've traveled a lot in the past by myself, a lot of miles. And so there's a lot of time to just sit down and bust out lyrics in your head. Um, and, and one of the things I I'm tr- I would love to get back to, but when I was like 10, was mowing my grandma's lawn with, he- with uh, big old ear blocking sound headphones on. But then I would just sing to myself, just whatever, and creating stuff. And just the creativity of that was. And I think that's where, it, like, I'll, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll have a couple chords together and I'm like, oh, that sounds really pretty. And then I close my eyes and I go, all right, so what's the music video to this melody? Yeah. And then I paint the picture in my mind, the movie. And then I just start writing the, the dialogue to the movie. Um, that's how sometimes it goes. Other times it's... I've got a verse and it's taken me 4 years to bring it around to something else. So, I try to I use a lot of different methods. There's not just one that I've stuck to yet. I I really do need to get into the method of every day let's sit down for 15 minutes at least and jot some notes, do something. But a so, lot of time I just wait till something hits me. And that's why maybe I put, write two new songs a year right now versus when I was young and writing seven or eight. And that's, I feel like that's the struggle
0: too, right? Is uh, I think I put out my EP in 2018 and I put a lot of pressure on myself because I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not able to crank out, you know, five or six more songs in a year? And those all came so easy. And trying to recall back and think, well, what the hell? Like, what was going on? And it's usually like there's some life changing situation that's going on. And the only way that you can really, you know, uh, at least for me to walk through it is to kind of embrace it and embrace the music that kind of comes with it. And that's that to me is it is usually the easiest way. And it's awesome that you say that picturing the the music video, because it all starts as like, I remember being a kid, man. And like sitting there and I turn on a CD, George Strait or, and, and pure country, for instance, right. Put my headphones in and lay there. And I'd listen, I would listen to that front and back, front and back, front and back. And I'm picturing myself in these situations. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, I could, I could do that. And then it grows and it grows and it grows. And then you're one day you find yourself shooting your own music video from a song you wrote. And you're like, this is how I pictured it in my head on day one when I wrote it. So let's do it this way. And uh, it's, it's crazy how that, how we, how musicians in general, we all have our own way of, of how we're going to do stuff, but ultimately we could all sit down in a room And we could probably agree on, on something as far as like, oh yeah, man, I wrote my best song whenever I was going through this big heartbreak and, and all this, or, uh, or I wrote that song accidentally really. And, you know, and everybody in the room is going to shake their head and go
1: shit that happened to me too. (laughs) Right. Yeah. As I mean, as a songwriter, it's, I think, I think as a songwriter, we, uh, we, uh, experience every aspect of life to to one of the fullest more than some people because already as a songwriter we view things differently i mean we look at the same same apple and we're we're looking at lyrics while somebody's just seeing an apple you know so uh it's a very it's a very fun process and it's cool to see everybody else's different processes like I know for uh, a fact that Guy Clark, who's one of the best country songwriters of all time, I mean, in his biography, or uh, autobiography, I should say, I mean, he wrote, he's like, I went through a two and a half, three year spell where I couldn't write a single song. He goes, it was just dry. He goes, it wasn't that I tried. He goes, it just, it wasn't there, you know? And there's been times where I just feel like, well, maybe that was it. That was the last song, you know? And, and you, you get that feeling where you're like, all right, I guess I used up all the talent we had. There ain't no yeah. more in the, in, the, in the bottle, you know? And then the next thing you know, five minutes later, you wrote your favorite song. And that's how, I mean, it's literally like my last two songs where it's just like, ugh, I don't know if I, if I got another out here or she's a shot of whiskey or something in me. And then all of a sudden I write two songs that are deeper that people that I really respect go, you got to do something with that, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a very fun fraternity to be a part of for
0: sure. Yeah. And it's, I don't think it's as common as probably you and I make it probably in our heads to be it's the more, and especially so there was a guy who played a show with Jeff Ruby who came through here couple years ago either two or a year ago from nashville he lives out in nashville singer songwriter and stopped here and we played at a place i'd never played before in omaha and he's just kind of you know we're talking hey what do you usually make in a night and all this stuff just like he was trying to figure out what to charge if he came back through Mm -hmm. and um i was like well this is what i typically charge and he was like No shit. Like he's like, there's no way you're going to make that in Nashville on a a going out and and playing on stage. And I was like, he's exactly right.
1: And I was like, well, by uh, Josh Thompson, blame it on Waylon. Yeah, beer on the (laughs) table. Uh, He opened up for Jamie Johnson in Wichita, Kansas. Acoustically, the same way I did for uh, Gary Allen. The second person I saw do that, the first person I ever saw open. The first person I ever saw do what I did for Gary Allen was a Bramwich Coliseum in Manhattan, Kansas. It was on the, uh, what did he call it? This was Toby Keys, like American, it was uh, during uh, Red, White, oh, and Blue. Yeah, 2003, three, four. Yep, yep. And there was this new kid hot out of Nashville with a mullet a guitar talking me and he came out and he sang three songs. And those three songs were Austin baby. And one, I can't remember. And, uh, he came out there with a guitar and did it. And, uh, and that's, I mean, he's one of my heroes to this day, Blake Sheldon, even though I'm not a big fan of top 40 country. I mean, to this day, I'm a Blake Sheldon ride or die because of what yeah. he did that night. I mean, I know, I know a handful of artists in Nashville that's got number one records that you and me could sit down in a guitar circle with and they'd go, well, how'd you do that? And we'd oh, be yeah. like, you mean GCD? Be like, yeah. <laughs> what, what chords are those? you like, uh, maybe we should yeah. start with the basics E, A, and D. Yeah. You know? And it's so, so yeah, it's a, it's a cra- crazy crazy thing
0: right there's a there's a guy i work with now he he lives close to nashville He di- he's out of the scene he used to drum for luke bryan was the like original drummer and he was kind of sharing some stories like those with me from whenever the early days of luke whenever it was like he was playing to 10 people and and uh <clears throat> in all these smaller bars and and I think uh, even one of the places – shit, I think – I'm sure he came through Manhattan a few times. Well, okay, so he did, and he wrote uh, Good Directions, of course, for Billy Currington. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, flashback to – oh, um, oh, what was it? 2000, probably – Six or seven? No, I've been 10. I want to say 2010 because I was <laughs> at Fort Riley, Fort Riley at that point. And um, we did country, the, uh, country, Coach, thing? country stampede. No, nope. it was country stampede. And Luke Bryan, he was I don't think he was a headliner yet, but he was like one of the up and coming guys there. And he came out and <laughs> the funny thing was the guy I know was playing there that night. And I had no idea, of course, then who, who he was. But, uh, yeah, he, it's funny they, that you say that because they share a lot of those kinds of stories. And so I, I think I always, too, personally, always, like, I got to know my shit. Like, whenever I get to a certain point, I don't want to
1: look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, well, and without naming names a few weeks ago, I, uh, I ran sound for a, an American Idol, not star, he was on the show. He made it some distance and he came to play our hometown bar or our our place and uh so I did sound for him and the night one he did okay but night two he showed up not being able to find his guitar that was on stage on my guitar stand and uh 30 minutes in his partner said we're taking a break and then his partner came and found me and said I I had opened the show that night because I was like, I think, let me open the show. I just, I'm bored. This is a good opportunity. And so I did. And uh, then his partner came to me and said, Stu, I need you to save the show. And I played two or three songs, but it was, I could tell immediately once I started playing those two, three songs that everybody's demeanor changed from, oh, wow, this guy's an American Idol to wow, Stu just made this guy look like a fool. And I wasn't yeah. trying to, I just, I stopped, what I stopped doing about two years ago was reserving myself, which yeah. I'd go into aspects of opening it up for people and I'd go, well, I want to be asked back. I want to be part of their run. I want to be with them. So I would, I would do just enough to get the job done to make sure I was... Enjoyed and will appreciated it, but I didn't. I didn't do my Chris Stapleton. I didn't yeah. just walk out there and just be like, "Listen, do it." Do <laughs> in town, y'all better listen up or get out. You know, and, yeah. and that's what I've started doing. Where it's just like I walk out and I'm like, "This is what I do. This is what I am." And if you don't like it and you can't handle it, sorry. You know, but it's only one way I can do it anymore. Cause it ain't helping me to hold back and it ain't going to help you for me to hold back. If I can outperform you and I'm just a country bumpkin from Kansas, you know? Right. So- that's,
0: uh, that's definitely more times than not kind of how it, it seems like, cause we're, I, I think I just sum it up to, we're catching them on a, you know, a certain night of the week and it's just, this is their life. And, and I'm like, I've been waiting on this for two months, maybe, you know. And they're not really looking at it the same. But here they are, living their life in the middle of kind of like turnpike troubadours, right? Lead singer there. We go, we go through our life on stage whenever we've got stuff going on. I can't shut it off. Yeah. So, so the crowd's gonna know that, right? They're gonna know that. Well, the last time I saw him, it was a lot better, or
1: or seemed a lot more upbeat, and this time it's not. Yeah. You gotta so that, go out and you gotta perform like it's five thousand people in arena, whether or not you're playing in Dodge City for Gary Allen or Centralia, Kansas for thirty people in a restaurant. I mean, they they both deserve the same show because I mean, if that's who you are, that's the artist you should be, day in and day out, regardless of size of venue and size of crowd. Because you never know, like our friend Brian Nelson, he asked me one night text me on Thursday said what are you doing Stu and I said nothing he goes you need to get to the country club as quick as you can and so I drove up to the country club it's a little bit before Christmas and I played a few songs and uh had a couple guys say you need to sit down and talk to us afterwards and I said okay and I sat down and talked to him and I had one guy go so tell me tell me what you're doing so I gave him the spiel I said this is what I'm doing this is what I've done this is where I'm going And we just started talking. I'm like, man, this guy just, this guy ain't from Kansas. He ain't from around here. He just, this isn't, he ain't from Walmigo. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, turns out he's the executive producer and one of the show creators for Handmaid's Tale. Okay. His dad has two or three Oscars and Emmys as an opera singer from the 70s and 80s. And he's just a guy that lives half a mile from my parents in this mansion in the middle of the prairie. Where he's just like, I came across Kansas one day. I love the area. And so me and my brothers and sisters bought this house as we use as an Airbnb or our getaway spot. And he goes, and I'm buying up Paxico, Kansas, trying to turn it into a tourist destination. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like a Thursday night yeah. in, in Wamigo, Kansas. And then that Saturday, I go to my girlfriend's house. And she's like, we're going to a Christmas party. I go, okay. And I show up and everybody's like, you're the country singer, aren't you? I go, yeah. And they go, you better play us a song. And I go, well, I got to get a guitar. So they got me a guitar and I sang some songs. And it turns out he's the head groundskeeper for the last 20 years of the Kansas City Royals. Really? Yeah. And it all happened the same weekend where he's just like, I don't know nobody. I don't know who I know, but whoever I know, I'm going to tell them. And it's just, it was one of those moments where it's just like, at any second, you got to just do you because you don't know. You really don't know who's sitting out there.
2: You don't know who's right.
1: listening. You don't know where you're at. You could be sitting in your hometown playing a song for people you think you know. And then all of a sudden it's like, this guy has a number one show on Netflix. Not, not a show, a series. He has a number one series on Netflix. A cult phenomenon almost. Yeah. And uh, and so it's just so it's, it's little things like that where it's just like, OK, I, I think we're on the right path. I think we're doing the right thing and we're just going to keep going until. So we can't, you know. Right. Well, the, the
0: quoting Cody Johnson there, um, but the uh, <laughs> uh, the. Uh, I think that's a, that's a pretty good lesson for, I, I mean, I, doubt, I don't think that we have too many kids listening in. But, uh, man, I just remember listening to the radio, dreaming about probably doing what I'm doing now. And that's just, I look back, I'm, you know, almost 38, Jesus Christ. And um, I think to myself, I'm like, well, had I not started, I wouldn't be anywhere. So I'm glad, regardless of whether or not that I play for still 10 people or if I get these random acts of kindness where I play for 300, it's it's still the same show. Like, <laughs> nothing changes. It's just me being me.
1: And if they don't want me back, fuck them. Like <laughs> Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's exactly the way you got to treat it because – because nobody's having fun if you're in a place you don't want to be. I mean, no matter what kind of entertainer you are. And, and, uh, kind of touch back on age, that like, regardless of what you want to do, my, my motto of life's always been life's too short not to do what you love and love doing it. And regardless if, you know, that's playing music every day, you know, getting up and being a, a kick ass manager at your job every day, you know, to where, yeah, like, my day job. I don't like what I really do. But what I do like is the smiles I put on my coworkers faces because of my attitude I come with. And then the people that come to my store that I, I try to be that, that almost asshole. That's like, man, I really wish it just one day I'd come in here at five thirty in the morning. And this guy wouldn't be like, Hey, good morning. How are you doing? You know, <laughs> but, but I know that the times that I've been, you know a little bit out of it coming out of a show walking into that gas station at 5 30 in the morning that that hey good morning how are you doing turns it from i ain't dealing with today to you know what today's actually pretty good and it's going to be pretty good and and thank you you know and and yeah. so it's like you know if you didn't, if if it ain't working and you ain't smiling time to change the game plan you know as long right. as it's the fourth quarter and the last minute, you can always change the game plan. Right. And uh, to
0: speak on that, uh, the um, gas station attendance, I remember every bad interaction I had, which was somebody that probably didn't want to be there working, doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. And I, I always think that whenever I'm like, because you never know what you're walking into regardless, but it's, I like that attitude, man. That's that's something I wish I had more of. I wish I had a little bit more Stuart Ray in me. <laughs> well, I wish I had a little bit more <laughs>
1: Nick Rucker in me. No pun intended, <laughs> pun intended. Ah, oh! <laughs> <laughs> PG-13, sorry, kids. Yep. <clears throat>
0: so the, uh, ultimately, man, the, just all the stuff that you've, you've done, gone through, and starting at such a young age, I mean, you're over 15 years now into it, way over. And what are some stuff that, is there anything you wish you'd done different?
1: I wish I had focused a little bit more on the the business aspect of it a little sooner. Um. I can't really say that I have any regrets of how I've done it or what I've done because it's led me to getting to open up for Gary Allen, getting to open up for some of my heroes, getting to open up, or actually not even open up, headline a venue that was on my bucket list, Cheatham Street Warehouse, who where uh, Randy Rogers got his start, who's a major influence in my life, George Strait got his start there, Todd Snyder, so. So to look back and say what there's things I do differently, I'd maybe ask for more help and sought out more help in in ways that could have been more professional and like maybe gotten me a couple steps further than I am now. But uh, no, I mean, I I really, I mean, everything I've done, if, if tomorrow I woke up with laryngitis permanently, I'd be like, all right, we did it. You know, who else can say that they can stand on the front of a stage in front of 4,000 people for 30 minutes and yep. and then piss off Gary Allen's manager because you went two-minute, two songs over, you know? <laughs> you, yeah. you know, stuff like that where it's like, I did my job, you know? I did what I was supposed to do, and I want to do it till I can't no more. Um, but... I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if there's really a lot that I would do differently other than maybe just sooner try to turn it into a business, try to seek professional help to guide it into a business more. Because, because yeah, it, it is at a certain point, it does take that turn from you're a bar band to you're a semi-professional musician to the last five years. I was what I would consider a full-time professional musician. I mean, I relied on two to three shows a month to make sure that I didn't go hungry and there was a roof over my head. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's not a lot that I would probably change.
0: Well, I think if you did, the story would change. So yeah, I'm I'm glad, I'm glad it is how it is because we may not have met and, Exactly. And had this relationship that we have now. <clears throat> the
1: if I'd never moved back from Nashville, there would have never been an RC McGraws a Mike Knight. Right, and you I know if a- would have never fell in love with a Kansas girl who broke my heart. You and me would have never became best buds. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's it's those things where it's like, man, that really that's what it took to. Ten years later, you're looking at it and you're like yeah well that's what it took you know for real <laughs> yeah you've got a beautiful baby you know i've got yeah. a beautiful step baby like it's the journey's crazy it's wild it sucks sometimes a lot other times yeah. it's awesome you know one of my yeah. favorite road trips of all time is still when we drove to billings montana <laughs> for uh (laughs) yeah veterans day show you know and then what do we do we turn right around and drive 18 hours straight back to manhattan
0: dude i was thinking about that the other day because we went up bear tooth pass Well, we shot a couple videos there and then we stopped you remember stopping in that little podunk town like uh yep uh red lodge red
1: lodge montana i think
0: yeah, in that little bar that we went into and ate, and I had my first bison burger. Yeah. Because I
1: told you, yes. if you, when you go to the Rocky Mountains, you <laughs> seek out bison burgers. You better still to this day, anybody listening, when you go to the Rocky Mountains, you seek out a bison burger.
0: Oh my gosh, it was the best burger I'd, <laughs> I've probably still to this day had. Because bison's amazing. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> uh, we, uh, <sighs> That was a fun trip, by the way. But uh, we drove basically all the way to Denver, made a stop, stayed at your buddy's house, slept in a chair. And, yep. and then yeah, um, the next day went to Red Rocks. Yeah, went to Red Rocks and played a couple songs there. Yeah. So we can officially, officially say we played at Red Rocks. And then <laughs> drove to uh, Wyoming. Saw the um, – where did we go? Where was it? Um, we passed the – do Or Crystal Dew. yep. Yeah. And then we drove on to Billings, Montana. I played – Where it was cold and snowy. Oh, man, it was horrible. And we – they put us up in a motel there, which was really nice of them. And we played probably like 30 minutes. Was on TV for a short, brief minute where I – look back now and i'm like oh man i totally froze up i didn't know what to say but uh the uh then we came back and yeah i think where were we both we were both in kansas then weren't we
1: no actually you had just moved to omaha you were living yeah, in your apartment because we drove back to we drove back to arson to play and you're like i'm gonna go home yeah. And you got in your car and you drove back. I was like, first off, one, you're crazy. And two, you're missing out on this money. And you're like, I got to go home. You yeah. Were, you were dead tired. It was, uh, that was back before you were seasoned into do Ray <laughs> road trips where it's like, oh, it's only 18 hours. And then we play a three-hour show. And then we go to bed. You're like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Like maybe do a six-hour, 12-hour road trip and then a three-hour <laughs> show. Not 24 <laughs> yeah. hours and then bed. Right. You were way too old for that at that point, which yeah. now I'm too old for that. I couldn't do it. So I understand. But the, uh, the,
0: that whole trip, though, that was, that was a good experience. That was fun. And, uh, being able to go out and play for 30 minutes and or so, and, uh, not really still knowing what I was doing then. But what, uh, for you, who would you say, like the best person or the coolest person you've played a show with is? coolest person I played a show with. David Allen Coe?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> man, I don't know. I mean, really, I mean, the coolest afterwards experience was with Confederate Railroad. Um, yeah. the way Danny Flyers pulled me aside he didn't have to I didn't ask for it I didn't initiate it he was just like this kid's really doing it um, and I would say the next most special time to me would honestly probably have to be when I opened up for Tracy Lawrence at the Wareham um, that was my I first I remember that Like, big name opening. I assembled a three-piece, like, acoustic band with upright bass and a fiddle. And it was just, like, my first That was Dan Minahan played for you, didn't he? Yep. Dan Minahan and his sister uh, both played for me. They're a part of their... It's Homegrown Grass is their bluegrass name. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah. Yep. They played for me. I opened up for Tracy, and then uh, I didn't I, I didn't get to meet Tracy that night or anything. But it was just the aspect of what had happened. You know, that room, as many bands as I'd seen in that room, growing up, um, being on stage, like hiding backstage with the Eli Young Band and guitar their uh, guitar world, and just watching the shows from there too being the kid that's on the stage I mean it was just a that was probably yeah those two experiences are probably in my top two and then number three is now Gary Allen just because of the venue the night the way it went the what I will once and only say flawless performance I gave like I I really went out and did my best, Nick Rucker. Laid it all out and left nothing on the table. Would you say? Um, well, actually,
0: Gary Allen has a pretty crazy backstory too. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Um, and I think you were the first person to share his backstory with me uh, about him losing his wife and 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 uh, all this crazy stuff that kind of ensued and how we got every storm runs out of rain and I, and um, the whole nine yards from him. So I think it was a big one. Just, just his story alone. I'd go to a show for that. Like just to hear him tell that story. Cause I'm sure it's,
1: it's a lot better than whenever you read it. The funny thing, he, he doesn't tell that story, but like Jamie Johnson, you see it in the eyes. Yeah. I mean, there's just no denying it. Yeah.
0: Sadness and heartbreak, and everything in between.
1: Well, and uh, and the like growth and rebuilt, and and stuff like that. Um, he's married now, he's got a new, you know, he he slowly moved on, but yeah, it's just you see, you see the real pain in a real person, and you see where songs can come from
2: versus
1: people that just. Sing other people's stories, which there's nothing wrong with. I love singing other people's stories because, I mean, the way I approach it is when I sing other people's songs is, it's songs and stories that I wish that I had been a part of. But uh-huh. you know, other than that, the so
0: man, what's what's the next move? What's what's on the agenda?
1: So uh, the next move is, I think we're gonna do. Uh, Maybe like a three to five song EP of originals, um, some new songs that's ever been recorded, some I think my best original material, and then I'm I'm slowly contemplating with uh, a six pack album of covers that I grew up on. So thinking some like old school Ragweed, some old school Wade Bowen some stuff and going in kind of the direction of like what Whitey Morgan did where I'm gonna record some stuff that I really love and maybe a stucefus tone of voice. Yeah and, and just see what happens. Um and you know when the creative juices start flowing and I can write another full album we'll do that then. But right now I with everything I've got going on it just seems like uh it'd be a fun relaxing project. Um, I'm still playing as much as possible. Um, I mean, I, my rule of thumb is I go everywhere and anywhere country music wants me, that's where I'll be. And so whether it's Billings, Montana or Galveston, Texas, or, you know, I'll be there. You just gotta yep. make sure I don't go broke getting there and I can get home. That's my only request. Yeah. So what's the,
0: uh, who are you listening to nowadays as far as musicians? Who's your favorite at the moment?
1: Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> Ronnie Dunn. Oh, yeah. really? I'm loving Ronnie Dunn's originals. Um, and there's actually some we're going to be doing as a full band set. Some stuff that I'd like to take and cover myself. Um, uh-huh. Some of his just solo record stuff. I find just really good honky tonkin' And, uh, so, I really love Ronnie Dunn. Um, who else am I listening to right now? Like, Hollow Notes. I listen to it every day. You know, I got to yeah. get my Hollow Notes in. Uh, I'll be honest, though. Like, there was something about moving to Austin and then going strictly. When I moved to Austin, it was like, okay, you're full time. So, you got to be playing somewhere at least every Saturday. Because I've been a lot of traveling. And the first year I moved to Austin, I did about 35,000 miles of traveling by myself that first year. The second year was about 40,000 miles. So after a while, I couldn't listen. To, I can't listen to music in the car, honestly. Like, I can yeah. for about an hour. And it's mostly stuff that I'm just trying to practice because I want to do. It's never yeah. hardly new stuff. A lot of times I'm listening to podcasts. It's mostly comedian podcasts, um, and I'll be honest, a big person that changed my aspect of playing solo and doing acoustic stuff was Burt Kreischer, the machine. Really? Um, just the way he <laughs> would talk about on his podcast approaching stand-up comedy, being by himself, the uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? the competitiveness between comedians where it shouldn't be like you and me don't need i'm a big old school fan of country music and like the way whalen approached things and like i think it's silly that we have award shows too like we're awarding art like i understand you want to tell people hey this is an amazing thing but for the aspect of well my art's better than your art no no it's it's not, and my art's not better than your art. Your art's not better than my art. It's art. It's open to interpretation. That's why it's called art. And yeah. it needs to be valued like that, not so much as a competition. And and once you get into the business aspect of things, then things start changing to, well, it's no longer art. It's you're taking my money from me with your art. And, yeah. uh, and so Bert kind of taught me where it's like, you start surrounding your people self with people like you and me where it's like you and me are equals across the board and we love our art and we're going to love our art and we don't have to compete with each other. And so that's what I that's I mean, a lot of times what I'm listening to is just stand ups, uh, bitching and moaning about stand ups, which would in turn be us doing probably the same thing if we had a podcast each week, twice a week. Yeah. I I mean, uh, there's uh, uh, 40 people that I can't mention because I do want a career someday. That, you know, three podcasts later would be like, I really wish I wouldn't have said that.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm the same way too. I think with with music in general, I'll go through a phase where I'll put one song on and I listen to the shit out of it, like just in and out and in and out and in and out. And right now, it's actually uh cody johnson song uh, until you can't but um the uh i got to the point where i don't even i i'm like i can't even remember the last time i turned music on but the the podcast bill burr uh bill burr (laughs) podcast uh or just you know educating myself on something that's going on currently or whatever the case may be but yeah, podcasts are kind of the thing, I guess, now. Well, obviously I've got one here, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: as we're as we're on one right now.
0: Yes. But the uh uh so any any big shows coming up anytime soon?
1: Yeah, I got one huh. with this asshole in uh May. See ya? Yeah, we Holy. got one at the country club. Yeah, I was supposed to have one at night, but someone dropped the ball. <laughs> So that's why I'm at his house using his electricity. And his internet. That's okay. Yeah, and his internet. <laughs> well, I had to come outside for the internet to work. It's only 50 cents a minute. <laughs> it's okay. I'm on his cell phone point. He doesn't know it yet.
2: That's probably <laughs> <after> it. <laughs> Brian. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you? Yeah, great. Good to see ya.
0: Yeah, you too. Hey guys. Uh uh, Brian Nelson, also in our little crew uh, from many moons back, now that we all used to, were able still to play together. And uh, Brian, how how is the music
2: going? It's not.
0: It's not <laughs>
2: stuff. <Stop>. No. <laughs> COVID shut me down like eighty percent of the music industry, and um, I'm just trying to. Eventually, I'll find my way back. But um, there's a lot of you know competition for a few slots, and it's kind of let the guys that are really serious about it go after it first and let the rest of us that are just, you know, hobbyists or just want to be songwriters and, you know, do their thing. But the, the, the ones that really need it to stage time are the ones that I think they should have first dibs. So that's just my opinion. Yeah.
0: What, uh, as far as like, Stuart, I think we were going to talk about this originally, but the streaming services and everything else and, I think we, Stuart, you and I both agree that we're not streaming enough to make any money off of music. Uh, <laughs> to,
1: $150 uh, last year. Woo!
0: Yeah, and uh, didn't even claim it on my taxes. Fuck it. Yeah, uh, 3,000 <laughs> spends. Here we are. Uh, Brian, what's kind of your outlook on all that? And just, I mean, how, I guess, since since you started to this point, how everything's changed and, and it's gone from, while selling cassette tapes or CDs to, and actually making a little bit of money, to now,
2: um, well, I had, a, I had a, a buddy of mine from uh, Texas kind of explained it to me, and he said he spent uh, thirty to forty thousand dollars making a record, and he's going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a publisher, and everybody, or a publicist, and everybody else to market the record to hopefully break even, and then that's what that's where it's at right now. To get yeah. you need someone pushing your spins, or you're dead in the water from the get the get a go.
1: And we're talking about the guy that was like eight track records, you know Brian's Brian's been around at all.
2: I've seen eight tracks, but
1: yeah, yeah. I had <laughs> one of on my truck
2: when I was in high school.
1: But... <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian's first record was an eight track, folks.
2: You can't uh, records on eight track.
1: <laughs> awesome. so, a...
2: Anyway, but no, that's that's where it's at. I mean, you oh, need boy. a serious marketing plan. When you, when you push out, uh, and, and I don't even know anybody should push out records anymore. You should push out singles because everybody's um, attention span is so short. So yeah. it, it, to stay relevant, you know, you better push out a single every month and having cool. a serious marketing campaign behind it. But then you have to have some steam going into every show. So you need a publicist to help create that. So you, you, To make it today, you need a team. And... Um, and that team costs about a hundred thousand
0: dollars. Team's
2: gonna be expensive,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I think, um, even just being around now, kind of like a business consultant for foundation repair businesses and all this stuff, you get kind of an idea uh, of what I guess it takes with all the, the marketing and how much money goes into marketing every month and, and all this crazy stuff just to be relevant, you know, and stay relevant. And even in that industry, it's I mean, it's fucking ridiculous how much you know.
2: The the silver lining is you could have one 30-second clip on TikTok or Instagram or whatever and get a hundred thousand dollar record view off it. Of. Look at the girl yeah. that's saying like uh, it's who is Lainey, I think, that's saying that uh Fleetwood Mac song. It uh-huh. blew up and had two million spins. And next thing you know, she got signed a record deal from one of the Jonas Brothers for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So yeah. you, you can't tell any kid to not follow their dreams because they need to. And if you put out the content and it catches, hey, congratulations, you just made a bunch of money.
0: Yeah, you hit the golden ticket. So it's almost yeah.
2: easier in some ways, if you have the talent and it it, and it resonates with this generation,
1: if, if, if it takes
2: off, you're going to make
1: money. But it still boils down to the same thing we've always been playing into as right time, right place, and the right amount of talent and luck. Well, I but, mean, because because you could be that talented person, post that video, and if you didn't post it at 12.01 when everybody decided they were getting on their TikTok and you post it at 3.59 and it gets buried, well, that was luck of the draw versus, but that, but that's where, know, That's
2: where the publicist comes in. Because a publicist will tell you
1: These what are prime time, times. what
2: time to drop your stuff, what days to drop your stuff, and and how long the content needs to be. And they they, I had a publicist for two years. They she told me all that stuff every day. You'd be posting this often this week, and and I just couldn't keep up. I had too much going on. Um, music wasn't my only job, and it just I couldn't do it. So, but there's there's a formula to it, and they have it down. The, the metrics are there. And and they know when people view the most, and and it's usually the beginning of the week. Um, end of the week's worthless. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday night is your best times. And yeah, it, it's it's usually like lunchtime. Yeah, it's 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 weird. So and they don't want it past like like a, a few minutes. So it's really two minutes is the is the goal or less. Yeah, and um, keep it short and sweet, but make it good, and it'll get out there. And it's. It's not rocket science, but they've done the math. But you just have to be um, diligent and stick to it, and hopefully something some sticks.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that even with that too, it's like the clips and Instagram clips and and Facebook videos and and all that stuff has just gotten. I feel like even to the, to my point is like, whenever I, you guys first met me, I was putting out one, two or three a week. And now it's like, I'm lucky to put out maybe one every three, four months, maybe. And I, I look back and I think, man, if I just kept that up, what else would have happened? You know? Cause it wasn't, here's the thing. It wasn't only, making it to where i was like oh i might get somebody to see something that i did no it was more like i was practicing i was writing all the time and because i guess with this had a goal yeah with with the videos and everything else so i think it's creating good habits as well like just in general with kids oh yeah because uh i know our kids like go out here and make a basketball playing video, but he's just out there playing basketball. Like that's what he needs to be doing, right? It's just a whole different love language nowadays with this generation. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: No, I, have, I, have a, I have a buddy of mine, his, his sons being recruited for uh, Vision 1 and 2 uh, schools for baseball, and he has to post content um, to special Twitter channels um, at least once or twice a week. To show what his throwing is, what, what you know, he's a pitcher, what, what his miles per hour are, and show what the action is and all that stuff. And he has to post it, or he's not a legitimate contender for a scholarship.
0: Really? It's even yep. to that that world, too. That's crazy.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, it's. If you ain't publishing content, then you're not going to be the content.
2: It didn't, it didn't happen on the internet. It didn't happen
1: yeah if you, if you didn't publish content you ain't going to be the content but
2: nick to your point about like when we were young and figuring it out and, and just starting out as songwriters and everything and um i think into like if you did if you were to start that today my advice to you would be don't post any of that stuff do your growing pains on your own only post the perfect stuff oh, yeah. or your best stuff where we all posted everything yeah. And, and that was we were trying to relate get people to relate to us as we grew into whatever, but that's an old model. Now they want everything to be
1: perfect. And so you
2: don't want to post anything that's not perfect.
1: So that kind of goes back into my comedian style way where I'll take a song that's half what I consider half finished, and I'll actually play it out for about a year to people without putting any content behind it. But just keep working it. Um, you'll find out which rooms work, and then all of a sudden you've got your you've got your song. You got your song ready to publish. Versus when you first finish and you're like, This is it, this is the song. And yeah. then two years later you're still playing and you're like, oh man, this line would have been way better. But right if, here right.
2: going back going or dovetailing with what Stu just said is if thing people like Bruce Springsteen, he'd have an album in the can for two years or more, but there'd be few things he didn't like about it. And he would keep it where no one heard it until he was ready to release it. And he only released it when he thought it was where it needed to be. And that's I think where we need to be now. In, in order to stay competitive.
0: For sure. Or, and like, and I, like I'm,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going with this stubborn approach is when I it, it is what I I think it should be for my personal taste because I'm only ready for me. And not trying to make any money. When it's right for me, it's going to get out there, and I'm done. Whatever happens, happens. It's got life of its own.
0: Well, totally, and especially with like certain songs too. Like Brian, we were driving to Lee's summit or somewhere one night, and I think I played a song for you, and I just written it right before we left. And this was, I mean, we're pushing eight nine years ago, maybe seven, seven or eight, something like that.
1: Anyway.
2: You're old. And it, it, was, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> and, you are old can
1: not see the gray hair in the darkness, y'all. I'm still right, here.
2: Oh,
0: she's light. Uh, so the, the uh, coming to actually releasing it was last year because I don't know how many different times I rewrote that song because I was just like, it's good, but it's not great and I I, who gives a shit right like to me that that was what I kept telling myself about that one at least like was I think um nobody's gonna care enough that I can't wait to put it out I guess you could say that I had to keep keep reminding myself of that was I care more about it than anybody else will let's say that that's probably fair I agree. Absolutely. Agree. And it took me, I think you got to sit on a song for a while, like before it's finally like, shit, comfortable for me to go out and, and sing. Cause I've got five or six or seven right now that I'm sitting on that I could probably go record. But then at the end, I'm going to listen to them and, and in a year, I'm going to be like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs>
2: Well, I agree I have I have, uh, I have a whole album called out here I have fi- I have 15 <laughs> I'm sitting on and honestly I think I'm gonna record three because I think the majority of them aren't worth recording anymore because I've just paid attention they've sat for long enough where I've been able to look at them um, outside of myself and and critically think that I don't know if they're really worth wasting the money on recording they're just they're okay they're okay songs. So I probably should record my for my kids, but um, I don't think they're worth putting on any streaming platform. But there's three of them out there that I think are, and maybe they could strike gold, but the other ones are just, they're okay.
0: Yeah. that's, And it's, those are the ones that I play in, in even live, and I've been playing them for two or three years, and I'm fucking sick to death of them. But I'm going to go in and record them at some point and I'm going to be really sick to death of them then, but.
2: (laughs) I can't remember what, which which famous songwriter said, if you're going to, if you're going to cover a song or you're going to record a song, you better be ready to sing that song until you're dead because people are going to ask for it. And if you're, if you don't want to sing it, then don't ever record it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could totally see that. Luckily I'm not at a point where people request my songs yet. So.
2: No, there's still a lot of me. I sing in there ask for Luke Bryan or something, so fuck. I, I yeah. don't know what I'm doing. So that's why I don't play anymore. I just, oh, you want me to play? Okay, I got my buddy Stuart Ray. He'll play for you. I'm going to go over <laughs> to the bar and have a couple beers and watch. So,
0: Well, hopefully uh, we'll have a reunion tour one day, one day, and we'll go play at RC
1: McGraw's, all three of us. You just tell me when. I got the keys to the building. Let's do it, buddy. I'm gonna step back yeah.
2: here. It's good to see you, Nick. Yeah, and, uh, see you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, next time you're
0: up in Omaha playing in Dr. Jacks, let me know.
2: Yeah, that's not that was snowstorm. It was a great gig. We made zero dollars. Awesome. <laughs> I lost eight hundred dollars on oh, my band. That was great. I, I wish <laughs> I wish
0: I would have known that you were gonna play there before you called me because that's not that's a place that's not on my place to call. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That would have been a good tip back then. I should have called you. Hey, <laughs> hey
0: but na- but now if you want to come up to Omaha, let me know because I can get you in some places. So
2: appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate yeah. it.
0: I'm so busy, yeah. I, I still got your me. Excel spreadsheet with all the places you play.
2: Oh God. So. <laughs> little, I don't have it, so it still lives.
0: I'll send it I'll send it back to you. I still right, call Mike. hey, too. you ain't make- you ain't called me back yet. When is, I called in two thousand seven, when's this going to happen?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, the bar closed in two thousand six. But we right, yeah. call you.
2: It burnt down. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right, right man. Well. Soon,
0: okay. Take care. Bye, right, bye. Well, Stu, man, let's wrap this up. It's been an hour and a half, and and uh, I th- I'm gonna go watch some walking dead and head to bed.
1: So I'm not too far behind you. I'm going to go uh, find the girls and take them home. Awesome. Well, <laughs> man, you have any shows coming up that people need to know about? Uh, trying to think. I don't have anything too set in the books, but if you check out stuartraymusic.com, I post all my current and up-to-date tour dates there. You can follow me on uh, Stuart Ray Music. Everywhere you do your social media, whether that be Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, it's all Stuart Ray music, and uh, I'm hoping to have some new content here soon with uh, shows being kind of sparse and sporadic with everything kind of going on with life these days, so my goal this year is new content and play as many shows as possible, so I don't know where those shows are going to be, but you follow me, and I'll tell you. Hey, I wonder if we're going to make that Mark Chestnut
0: show up yet. I wonder if he's going to – if they're going to rebook him.
1: We'll talk about that, not filming. All right. Let's,
0: <laughs> let's hope that's good news. Oh, maybe not.
1: <laughs> but,
0: okay, guys. So, uh, thanks again for tuning in. And like Stuart says, you can follow him on social media at Stuart Ray Music and that's on instagram he also has eps on spotify itunes all of the music streaming platforms that you can dream of um or if you're at a show it's a lot cooler to buy a cd still so yeah um if if you guys run into him or if you find yourself in manhattan kansas or anywhere that this man happens to be playing go see him you won't regret it (laughs) and hey take my personal personal favorite uh Oh, shit. I can never come up with the song, name of the song. Uh, Well, you know what I'm saying. Oh, Sturgill? Sturgill Simpson, yeah. You can have the crown. You can have the crown. King of Shit Mountain. That's the song you need to request because Stuart's really (laughs) good at it. As long (laughs) as you guys
1: request love a little longer for me when you see Nick. Deal. I'll do it but uh <laughs> all right
0: guys Stuart, thanks again for coming on and being a guest here i think everybody's gonna enjoy this and be sure to we'll be sure to pass it out around kansas at least so.
1: thank you <laughs> I appreciate you having me on and uh can't wait to be on again
0: yep we'll play a show together soon man take care hey you too brother